Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. The breakfast toast is served. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, to bring you in to this Monday, this lovely week. Uh, is there a TGIM? Is there ever that? I, I don't think anybody. Well, I guess you should thank God for Monday because if, if you didn't see Monday, it means you're not with us any longer. So True that, true that. So here we are with a number of things to tackle on this day. I don't have a headset, so I'm talking into the phone like freaking Commissioner Gordon from Batman. I hate that feeling. But uh, here we are. So we've got a number of things to cover today. Uh, The Clippers are gone. Clippers come up short, much to the delight of Laker fans who were scared to death that the Clippers would make it to the finals and possibly have a chance at winning this thing because I really feel like whoever's coming out of the West is winning. But uh, they were scared to death of that. And who are the happiest people in all of NBA land today, it is Lakers fans because they were so, so worried that the Clippers were going to take over Los Angeles. So uh, the Clippers are out. We'll talk a little bit about that. You know the, the feeling, Chicago by the way. Get. You had that feeling What's in that? 1986, and I had it in 2002. Do you remember when the, the Red Sox played the Mets in the World Series? As a Yankee fan, you got nowhere to go in that game. I mean, you know, it's like, who do I root for, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, well, nevertheless, it kind of I felt like that in 2002 when the Giants played the Angels. I'm like, well, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, um, it, it, I guess it turned out the way that it should. I would have much rather have had, you know, being a native New Yorker, much rather have the Mets win that series than the Boston Red Sox do anything, uh, which, as we all know, they ended up doing many years later. But um, so, yeah, that's that's the story. Uh, Lakers fans are really, really happy despite the crummy year that their team had. They're just spitting uh, all a lot of hate and venom being thrown the way of the Clippers fans. I, I saw that uh, all all day yesterday. And then uh, the Chicago well, wait, the Bulls, Clippers, are they wait, dead? Don't get off that. Amal, the Clippers the act dead? like the Clippers. Well, the Clippers did what Clippers do. But are the Bulls dead? Is that it for them? Uh, you know, Love's out of the lineup, and they can't get past the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to talk about that. Are the Bulls indeed dead? Uh, is Colin Cowherd right? Should they blow up the roster? We also want to talk about the NFL rookies. It's about that time of year to start forecasting what they're going to do. Specifically, what we're going to do today is try and determine between Abel and I who are going to be the top five most impactful rookies in the NFL. And then we'll dive into the whole Ohio State quarterback battle. They're an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position. They're not going to be able to retain all of these guys, I don't think, in my opinion. So who's going to win that job and what are going to be the ramifications of 
uh, whoever winning that. We'll tackle that and more on the show today. If you want to join us, the number is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. You want to email us, comments at gridironstudshow.com, comments at gridironstudshow.com, or reach us on Twitter at gridironstuds. I think I've covered all the bases there. Did you have something you want to get off your chest? Because you kept jumping in on me there. No, no. I just you, you, were, you were talking about the Clippers, and I just felt like, you know, that I wasn't surprised the Clippers do what the Clippers do. I mean, that's that's what the Clippers do. They had that game before this one basically won. I mean, what were they, up 17 points? And somehow got outscored by 25 points in the fourth quarter? I mean, they did what the Clippers do. Mm, well, yeah, I guess you could look at it that way, and you kind of sound like some of those Lakers fans who are just waiting for something like that to happen. And, and so be it. It happened. It happened that way. I'm a little disappointed that they couldn't get something done. Um, they had a 3-1 lead in the series. And how in the world do you let that happen, Amos? Well, like I said, I think I think it's I mean, they be, weren't being the Clippers, I guess, when they got up 3-1. How'd they No, how'd but, they you know, they're certain, the Clippers? Listen, sometimes teams just don't know how to win. They don't know how to, you know, they just, it, it's, I don't know if they're cursed, what word you want to use, but it's just like they don't know how to win. They don't know how, I mean, it's not like we have a bad series here. I mean, Houston was the number two seed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, are you really, true, are you, but they you got know. up 3-1, man. They got up 3-1. This should have this should have happened for them. Well, yes, and, you know, try to follow this real quick. I've always – 3-1 in a series is very similar to a baseball game. Do you ever hear a fan, their team's down 3-1 or up 3-1 in the ninth, the other team scores three runs, right? And they say, mm-hmm. we should have won the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an untimed sport. So what if the team scored the three runs in the first inning and not the ninth inning? You would have been down 3 nothing. My only point is – there well, were seven a real games. Big uh, woulda, coulda, if coulda. Yeah, coulda. there were seven games. So the one team won four of them. What order they win them in is is. I mean, every game is a new event. That's where we always struggle. Like you're up three one. That doesn't mean your chance of winning the fifth game is no better up three one or worse. Really, it's not. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Oh well, it's it's a single uh, event. Now you're you're going to get into intangibles and emotion and momentum and all that stuff, and I'll agree with yeah, you there. Yeah, that but stuff it, means something in the game. It does, but you can't quantify it. Realistically, going into the game, you have the same shot of winning. All right. I mean, uh, I mean, all I I'm saying get... in this case is the Clippers had the series. To me, it was all about one thing. You're up 17 points late in the third quarter of Game Six. I knew once they squandered that lead. I had a very good feeling that that series was going to Houston yesterday. I swear to God. You, that, you want to talk about momentum, that's almost impossible to come back from because you're spending that whole night and plane trip back to Houston thinking we had a 17-point lead with 13 minutes left in the game. We shouldn't even be playing this game. It was very hard for the Clippers to get up for that game yesterday, believe it or not, a game seven. Well, they needed to, but nevertheless, is it is it that the, this is what the Clippers are? Are they just taking the next step? Um, mm. Are they going to gradually move along in this thing? I don't like do Blake you, Griffin. How, how I don't like his game. I think Blake Griffin's a talented guy, but I've, I, uh, the basketball I've watched of him, you know, the the spots I've seen Clippers games late in the playoffs, I saw him make two crucial turnovers the series before that. Um, I'm forgetting who they were playing in their first series late in the game, and they ended up losing the game. I just I, I think that maybe you know he might just be a really talented guy that is not a guy that's gonna a big guy that's gonna put a team on their shoulders like a Tim Duncan type. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's too early to blow well, that every, team up. You know, up. like everyone likes to dump on Blake Griffin, but to be honest with you, he turned his play up. 
uh, to another level in this postseason. People do need to realize that he may have he may have kept, come up short here and there. He, may, he yeah. may have had the turnovers, like you said. He turned his play up in 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 the second season, and and you know you've you've got to say that the Clippers are new to this whole thing. Uh, sure. So. You and know, Paul's a give them player, so yeah, I'm not. I, listen, I'm not blowing that team up. I think they're, you know, we're going to give them another year to see if that if they are taking that next step, and uh, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, now they're in that division where it looks like Golden State's built themselves a hell of a, a team. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be them and Golden State out there next year, and we'll see if maybe next year they can take that step, or if if they're kind of stuck and they have to go looking for some other pieces. I mean, right now it's too early. Well, talking about failing to put the team on their back and pull them through, Derrick Rose. What do we make of Derrick Rose? Colin Cowherd was talking about blowing up their roster, and I can't say that I disagree with it because – with what the Cavaliers have been able to put together and coming in there with one of their bullets missing and taking out the Chicago Bulls, it may be time to retool that whole thing and figure out who you really need to keep around that place and, and dump out the others. you agree or disagree with that? Well, let's start with the Cavaliers. Isn't Love a free agent after this season? Perhaps. I'm you know, I'm sure they'll do what they, they need to do there if they feel if like they can, and, if they can. I don't know. I don't know enough about NBA salary caps so to pretend I'm an expert on it, so I don't know what they can or can't do there. Well let me say this. Rose missed almost all of the season. I mean, he finally got it start started rounding into form a little bit in the playoffs. Do you really want to blow up that roster when you, until you see what they can do a full year with him? Jimmy Butler seemed to play a lot better this year. Um you know, became a legitimate, you know, 1A type player, maybe not a a, a bona fide superstar, but Haven't right there. Haven't we seen like enough a, of Rose, though? Haven't we seen enough, or do we need to see if he can stay healthy again well, for consecutive years? Playing, yeah, I want to see him play 65, 70 games. I mean, you're going to have to rest him a little bit to, you know, make sure that knee's okay. But, I mean, let him, let, let's see what he can do in a whole season, playing 65 or 70 games. Um you know, Paul Gasol is is getting up there. They probably need, uh, you know, another scorer, uh, you know, down deep. I mean, I like their other bigs defensively. I mean, they have a lot of guys that can play defense really well in the NBA, but they need another scorer. You know, Gasol is, like I said, well, I don't know how old he is, but I'm guessing mid-30s. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they just add, why blow it up? Why not add a, go out and find a piece that you can help and take some pressure off Rose? I think Derrick Rose. I think Derrick Rose is a Western Conference play, if you ask me. I'd like Derrick Rose in Memphis or something like that. You know, send him out there. Let him go play finesse basketball. He can go be, you know, quick and run run up and down the court and do all that stuff that Derrick Rose like to do. Yeah, I, I just don't play in the East. It's rough over there, okay? And it's just a faster place. Uh, it's almost like two different sports there. It's just a faster pace basketball game in the West. Maybe he's more suitable for that and not the fist fight that the Eastern Conference is. But I think, he, I think to be fair, the East Coast is a fist fight because the teams stink, and that's what they're left to play, that type of basketball. You know, that's that whole, you know, argument people want to make when, you know, one side plays too much defense. I hear that when the Pac-12 and SEC comparison goes. Well, SEC offenses stink. Well, perhaps – there's a little bit more focus of defense in that part of the country as there is in the Eastern Conference, and so we don't just roll around scoring 44 to, you know, uh, not 44 Wizards, to 42. The Washington Wizards were almost in your conference final. They played mm. 500 against the West this year. 500. Okay, so, 
So, so what exactly does that mean? Do we need to go cross conference all the thing? Do we need to go look at these the NBA playoff teams and see how they did against the other conferences? I mean, we could do that. Huh. We do have this thing called the internet. But, I mean, let's, uh, let's you know, you could go down and look. I mean, the Cavaliers against the West, they were eighteen and twelve. Against the East, thirty-five. Hey, Mark, are you going to sit here? Are you going to sit here and try and draw a comparison to what is essentially two different seasons? Are you really going to sit here and draw this comparison to an NBA regular season and the postseason? Yeah, the because NBA, the East stinks. The NBA regular season means literally nothing other than to extract money from fans through uh, ticket sales and, 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 and NBA league package subscriptions. Chad, you had three it's teams, 500 or worse, make the playoffs in the East. In the West, you've got the Thunder sitting that just home means with 45 wins. a competitive balance. That's all that <laughs> yeah, it's competitive. Listen, it stinks. The only reason the Eastern team might win it is because LeBron James happens to play on one. That's it. Okay. Well, look. Listen. Listen. Come on now. Let's look at this. It's be- because the teams are a little bit more even in terms of uh, in terms of wins and losses in the East. You want to go ahead and call a thing and say it stinks? I'm going to say it again. Maybe it's two of the three worst teams in basketball were in the East, so you can't even say that it's competitively even. The Sixers won 18 games. The Knicks won 17. The only team close in the West is the Timberwolves with 16. Every they're the wor- <laughs> It's a terrible conference. Um, I would let, what are you buying here? The Lakers were 21 and 61. The Philadelphia 76ers were 18 and 64. Three games. You didn't tell me three games makes that huge of a difference. Three games. The NBA regular season is a little. It's an exercise. Listen, Johnny Cochran. I don't know who hired you to defend the East today. Okay. I just listen. You you're like Joe Fan. Well, they score more points in the West. No, I didn't necessarily say they score more. They're not good over there because they don't score score more more points. They stay in the eighties and nineties. I need one twenty-five to one fifteen. That lets me know they're good. Get out of here with that, man! Come on, dude. Like I like defense. You like defense. 142 to 133. You know why you like the East? Because you see more tackling in the East than you do in an NFL game. Yeah, man. Knock (laughs) a fool out on his way to the rim, for crying out loud. Come on, man. I need some physicality. Give me a new topic. Move into something social. I can't talk about this NBA anymore. Give me a social. All right, you want to talk something social? Okay, this is something near and dear to my heart. So I'm scrolling through my Facebook uh, feed because I want to feel better about my life. And I do that so that I can see the filth that's going on elsewhere. And I happen to come across a video that has become viral. It is a teacher, um, and and this is a, this is a very popular thing now that you, you'll you'll see there'll be fights that go down in a classroom, and uh, you see one of two things happening in in from the teachers when you see these fights in a classroom. Either a teacher <laughs> never gets up from the desk. And just takes a view of the fight, um, like other students in the class, and may even continue grading papers while two kids are trying to <laughs> knock each other senseless. Or they will go all in and dive in there and r- try to tackle somebody, in which case probably risk injury and, and probably their employment at the school. Um, there's usually no in between. But we had something a little unique go down in this one. Teacher removes belt mid-fight and gets to flogging kids as the fight is going down. It's the damnedest thing 
um, if you're from this new era. It's just not something you see. However, I don't know how things were when you were growing up, Emil, but uh, I went to a Seventh-day Adventist Christian school uh, all the way up till fourth grade, and you were allowed to hit um, your students. So you could bring what do you know? You could bring a ruler. You could bring a paddle. And um, you know, weapons would were, were doled out, and, and and so while most might be shocked at what they saw in that video, I know that all too well. You so you so, you, you that was just kind of like no big deal for you. It's like hey, that's yeah. I was like okay, this looks like Excelsior Elementary School in Brooklyn for me in fourth grade. We didn't even have to throw a punch for that to go down. It's just like talking out of turn. Yeah. Or uh yeah, you know, you know, maybe uttering uh a cuss word or uh um, just as long generally as not following injured, directions. I'm not so sure sometimes that's not a good idea. Man, I don't listen, I think what happened with and you might be able to uh correct me on this, but you know, perhaps a, a teacher here or there got a little overzealous and then you know lawyers got involved and that was the end of corporal punishment in schools i i presume pretty or, much i don't or was it psychologists trying to tell you um you know all of the psychological damage that would come from punishing kids in that way meanwhile these psychologists have zero kids at home um, and right, probably never exactly. really been in a classroom. But man, look, the belt coming off was so throwback. It should have been posted on a Thursday. It was real throwback. Do you know what you know, happened so. to this uh, gentleman? I mean, do you have any idea? I'm just wondering. Oh, I uh, know. I'm sure there'll be some kind of there'll, there'll be some kind of follow up on it. I'm sure. But um, my man had enough. Okay, <laughs> he brought the belt out and and laid the smack down. And let me tell you something, Emil. Fight was over. Fight did not continue. And that was it. So before like, they could tear up the whole classroom and someone's face could get split wide open, uh, homeboy brought the leather out and things got things got quieted down really really quick. I don't know. Did were, were you hit in school? I didn't see it. Were you hit in school though? I'm sure you know you're 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 Italian. Did you do the Catholic school thing or was it always? No, I went to a public school, but people got hit. Yeah, people got hit. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we could paddle. By the time I got to public school in fifth grade, there were paddlings going on. No, people and, got hit. I mean, it was more like if a kid got really crazy out of line, you'd see there'd be nothing to see somebody, a bigger teacher, just drag a kid by the back of the neck down to the principal's office. I mean, there was none of this, like, you know, I mean, they had paddles. Though I remember, you know, one teacher had an aerated wooden paddle, aerated so you can get the wind through it where you get build up nice speed. Oh yeah, they were all all the paddles I saw were were aerodynamic. I did. Yes, yes. <laughs> I did see yeah, that. I mean I saw. See, them now and... when I got to public school, it was a little more organized. Um, you know, there was a procedure. There was a referral written. You were sent down. You were made to wait in the office, and then uh, you know they they went through all the steps, and then shebang, you got you got paddled. In 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 the uh, private school, at the Christian school, it was uh, we're gonna handle this right now, right here in the classroom. There'll be no referrals written. There'll be no steps followed. You're out of line, bang, 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 go sit down. Yeah, everybody, really you know, people will tell you it's it's a bad idea, but the way I look at it is as long as it's not, you know, nobody's getting physically injured, fear mm-hmm. is a great motivator to keep kids in line at that age. I mean, I don't care what psychologists yeah. or not. I mean, you know what, when I saw a teacher that was a big a big guy, I mean, and, and I knew that he had a hot temper, there's nothing like just to shut me up. <laughs> just sit there and shut up. Yeah, you know, uh, know your place. So, 
Uh, Boy, we're not winning any know. awards with this show today. I mean, if there's a psychologist you know. tuning in, we're <laughs> – Yeah, yeah. if there are any psychologists <laughs> out there or uh, any school principals, feel free to call 347-633-9365. We'll be back, though, to tell you which NFL rookies are going to paddle the rest of the NFL teams this season. We'll be back right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. job kid happened to be very talented uh, in 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 the music industry and and made a number of uh tracks for me and some of them i play on the show from time to time and Paul, uh, believe me I, i'm not complaining i like it a lot better than you sticking a kanye track on there for me uh, we got to get kanye in here man well that's good you know before we get to the nfl guys um we do and by the way the track's written by billy scott i got to give billy scott uh his props here he was a 
He was a fullback on the first team that I coached at Archbishop McCarthy in Davie, Florida. Uh, not only could he run the ball hard, kid very talented musically, and he's still still doing his thing. So uh, get boosted by Billy Scott. All right, um, Kanye West, you had to bring him up. That's your boy, man. You you love that Kanye. Great performance by Kanye. We saw it but couldn't hear it last night. You want to elaborate on that? Well, I saw it this morning on video because they were talking about it on the news. Basically, you couldn't hear it or see it because they bleeped out every other word because I guess he was throwing quite a few F-bombs and, and N-words in there. And, uh, and you couldn't see him either because all you saw was the fire or whatever it was in there. I mean, I don't know what the hell that was. Wait, do we need to see Kanye? I mean, he's not really doing anything out of this world. Um, you know, on, on there are stage, those but... who will disagree with you and me on that. Yeah, look, let me tell you this about Kanye. You say what you want about about Kanye, but uh, he knows how to get his attention. And you know, I thought this started back in the Madonna days, and she taught it to Dennis Rodman. And um, throughout time, people have picked up on it, and uh, it has been the way to go in this country ever since then. And so, listen. Kanye could just go out there and sing his song like everyone else and get lost perhaps in the news cycle. But when he does stuff like this, you and I are talking about it, and so is everyone else. Can you fault him for that? No. You know, the, what's the old saying about, uh, you know, attention? Is it good or bad? Just spell my name correctly. You know, there's an old saying like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that's what we've got in this country. That's how we've, we're, we're building this thing right now. It's We don't necessarily have to be talented, which Kanye is musically um, and, and we don't necessarily have to bring a whole lot by way of substance. It's just we have to be able to get attention for it. And Kanye's damn good at getting attention, he and his wife. Uh, no, oh, no they, know, they know that game. We, uh, that's, uh, that's for certain. Got it down game. to a science, my friend. Definitely yep, got do. it down to a science. But let's talk about who's going to get the most attention in the NFL rookie-wise this season. And we're going to relegate this conversation Able to uh, just the first round draft picks. All right, we're not going to act like geniuses here and pick some fourth rounder from Lafayette that's going to jump out of nowhere. Let's not do that to ourselves and uh, and the listeners at home. We're going to stick to the first round picks, and uh, I've got a list of five guys here that I think are going to be the most impactful rookies uh, for this 2015 season that's coming up. I'm sure you have your own list, and as usual, let's you know you and I did not talk at all about this. Going into it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just how close we come on this. So why don't we do this, rather than I read off my five and you read off your five, let's go one at a time. I can start this thing off, and uh, you can give me your first one, and we'll do we'll do a whole back and forth thing. Does that work for you? Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Good. I, you know, I'd ask the viewers at home, but we, you know, we aren't able to get immediate feedback from all of them. And again, you can call the show today, three four seven six three three nine three six five. If uh, you have an opinion on any of this stuff that we're laying out here to you, or if you um, feel like you need to take a belt off and hit a kid today, feel free to call the show. Maybe we can talk you into it or out of it. Uh, There we go. All right. Uh, Number one for me is going to be Jameis Winston. Uh, They need a quarterback in Tampa Bay, um, and he definitely is, in my opinion, the most college-ready guy, I mean the most NFL-ready guy coming out. Uh, I think he's in there throwing to two big-time targets. Uh, I don't know what they're going to have in the running game, but uh, Tampa Bay's offense should get a boost from the rookie. I know he'll have his lumps early, but I think he's going to have a significant impact and maybe one of the top five impacts um, out of uh, NFL rookies this season. Agree or disagree with that? Are you serious, man? I mean, can't we just do a list where it's not the same? That was my first one. Well, there you go. Well, listen, well, then, you know, co-sign on that. 
Follow me. Well, up. I, I mean, you, what? you know, here's well, you're, the thing. You're gonna you're gonna read your next one off first, and let's I know, but I'm people will say that's you. obvious. He was the number one pick, but not necessarily. We said impactful. We're not saying best. And you know, you've heard me say it on the show many times. You don't have a quarterback in the NFL. You don't have a chance. So mm-hmm. just the fact that they were able to get a guy that they targeted, that I think is is pretty much you know NFL ready. Sure, he's gonna have his his, his rookie lumps, and I'm not saying they're. They're winning the Super Bowl, but I think it changes the the outlook in Tampa, and they feel like now they have a chance every week, and that that's important. You know, when you go into a game with some of the guys they had playing quarterback, they really didn't have a chance. So um, I think that's part of the reason I, I see him as impactful. I'll go to my number two. Not much else to say there. I'm going to mm-hmm. slide down to your hometown team, Miami. Mm-hmm. I think Parker is going to have a big impact. Uh, Emily, you suck, man. <laughs> you have the same you one. Suck. I have railed on the Dolphins draft forever, and here we are with the same guy. But let me hear your reasons. Well, I mean, I look at Miami. Maybe I'll just say copy that when you're done. Well, I mean, I look at Miami, and, you know, I'm still not sold that they should have used that number eight pick on Tannehill, but they did. Okay, so if you're going to invest a high draft pick in a quarterback, you got to protect them and you got to give them somebody to throw to. They can't take another lineman here because I think if they did, they would have imploded the stadium. Okay, so I think they would have. Listen, look, we're look. They may be riding out in Baltimore, but we we we've uh we we got the blueprint on that. They'll burn no, even the Cuban down. population down there would have been rioting, and they like baseball. They'll block the streets and burn <laughs> yeah. burn yeah. that headquarters to the ground. So we know that wasn't going. So they they did the next best thing. I mean, they got the guy somebody to throw to. And I think this kid is a, 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 going to be a very good NFL receiver. I mean, who knows between the whole lot of them this year with White and Cooper and this kid, and who's going to be the best. But I think they're all there's some really good talent at that position in the draft this year. I think Miami got one of the better ones, and I just I like what he what he does for Tannehill. He makes Tannehill a better quarterback. So, yeah, um, I I was one who wanted them to to draft a running back. They didn't have a chance at Gurley. Uh, he was picked before they you know were able to pick. They could have traded up for him, but you know, not necessary. And I thought at their uh, when they landed, uh, I thought they might might. And I heard that they were talking about it. I thought they were going to take a, a run at Melvin Gordon, a running back that I really happened to like. I actually liked better than uh, Gurley, but only only by the slightest of margin. So I really wanted them to do that. I think it's time for the Miami Dolphins to have a big-time running back, even though I know that's not the end thing to do in the uh, NFL right now. I just think it's time for someone to come in there and unseat Larry Zonk as the all-time leading rusher. Despite the fact that they didn't do that, I like Devontae Parker. He gives them the deep threat that they needed. They, you know, Tannehill wasn't really able to connect. Uh, with Mike Wallace. Uh, He also gives them a real legitimate threat in the red zone area. He's a tough matchup for cornerbacks out wide in that area, Uh, big, tall, and can go up and get the football. So when they get down in the red zone, uh, they're going to have more opportunities to score. And uh, if Tannehill can't connect with this guy, it's just going to be, you know, what I said. I didn't, I didn't think Tannehill. And was I noticed something here. We both passed over Gurley, and my reasoning was simple. I didn't understand the pick for the Rams. They already had a running back there, Trey Mason, who's a young guy. Um, you don't really have a quarterback. I mean, you got you got Nick Foles, I guess, if you want to consider that a quarterback. So I'm not sure the impact Gurley's going to necessarily have because when I'm playing the Rams, man, I'm loading the box and I'm making Nick Foles beat me. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's going to be a, a little bit of a problem. And I, I thought along those same lines too. As you can see, I didn't pick him. Um, my other rookie that I'm 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 looking forward to seeing, and I know he has he has to have an impact. And I actually like what they've been doing lately. 
Uh, I, I hope they don't embarrass me because they've been embarrassing themselves for quite some time. But Amari Cooper is, uh, I thought, head and shoulders the best wide receiver coming out of this draft. And um, he's going to be an outstanding pro. He has that Jerry Rice-type work ethic. Um, he's a little bit superior to Jerry Rice in terms of you know, physical attributes. Um, and if he can combine that with a Jerry Rice-type work ethic, which it looks like he can do, um, then he would make an impact on any team. And you know what? I do like what the Raiders have been doing. Uh, I think Carr is going to be a, a good quarterback for them. They have an, uh, you know, an, an underrated running back back there. So I, I think they're going to get something out of is that. Is that your number three on your list, Cooper? You're going with Cooper? I'm going to go with Cooper, my man. I'm going with Amari Cooper. I'm going to throw a cautionary tale out for you. Let me just say one this word. This list is not in, in any order, okay? Okay, let me say so. one word to you. Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden came out of college, much like Amari Cooper, and then he went to, went to the wasteland known as the Oakland Raiders. Okay, the guy is six two or whatever he is, six one and a half, two thirty something, two twenty something. Runs a four three five forty at the combine and goes to Oakland and just rot. And that's my concern with Amari Cooper. And I know you like. Well, well, well hold on though. Let me stop you there. Darren McFadden in the NFL is a a, a grander version of what he was in in college. He had flashes, but he was injury-prone. And when he got to the league, he continued to be injury-prone. So, I, I, you know, Amari Cooper hasn't shown any of that uh, in his college career. Listen, so, I'd be injury-prone, too, if you sent me to Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out on the edge, man. He's I'm, I'm going to stay with Missouri here, buddy. I'm going to be show me on Amari Cooper. And it's not that I doubt his talent. I doubt where the poor guy ended up. All right. Well, listen. Since since you since you are in Missouri, I'm going to release my next one. And I'm no, you can't. I didn't Rand. give my number three. What are you hopping the? Oh the, yeah, the, you did. Not. Go ahead. I what did you, not. My number three is a guy you mentioned earlier in a couple minutes ago, Melvin Gordon. I really like that pick by San Diego Chargers more so than the Gurley pick. Because here's the deal. Whereas Gurley will be standing there on Sunday looking at nine guys some, sometimes at the line of scrimmage because because mm-hmm. people are going to want Nick Foles to beat them. People around the league already know Philip Rivers can beat you. As a matter of fact, when Philip Rivers gets hot, he and he's as good as anybody in the league. And teams are going to have mm-hmm. to respect Philip Rivers passing the ball, which should open up some holes for Melvin Gordon. And I really like the fact that they replaced a very injury-prone back in Ryan Matthews, a guy who, you know, sometimes stretching before the game could 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 pull a hamstring. Okay, and they replaced him with a guy like Gordon who carried the ball. 300 and sometimes a year at Wisconsin. I really like this for San Diego. I think he's going to have a big impact on that team. Yeah, well, I see where this is going. Um, Well, let me delay what I was going to say about my other pick and just co-sign with you on that. Melvin Gordon is also on my list. I think that's no surprise to anyone. I've sung the praises of Melvin Gordon going into the draft. I feel like he's a really, really good back. And then he goes to a good team who you've already pointed out is balanced offensively in in terms of uh, they have a passing game. That works. They've got a tight end. That's a tough matchup. So it's going to change the way uh, you're able to play him defensively. You can't just load things up and leave Gates one-on-one with guys. So he's going to see more friendly defenses. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how teams choose to handle San Diego's offense. Do they want to defend that pass? Do they want to leave two safeties high and let Melvin Gordon run wild? I think he went to a really good place. Uh, I would have liked personally for it to be here locally with the Dolphins, but he might have, he may have gone to a better place, better passing attack, more accomplished uh, quarterback. And so I, I feel 
with that being present, uh, Melvin Gordon should have a, a better year than a, than a Todd Gurley and should have an impact uh, as he forces defenses to, um, you know, pick their poison out there in San Diego. So I think he's going to have and a And he's a your number impact. four. So right now we've had three of the four we agree on. Well, I've only read four. off. Uh, well, I've only read off three. I kind of let the other one slip out, so you can you can drop. So wait, you one. you said Gordon, right? But Gordon is your fourth. I mean, at this point, uh, I don't have this in any particular order. Okay. To be honest with you, so I've, all I've read off right now is Winston, Cooper, and Gordon. Okay. Move wait. forward with your next one. And Parker. Oh, I did say Parker, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, I jumped on the Parker one with you. You yeah, must be doing those glad Bloody Marys here, again. You know? Okay. Yeah, I'm, um, that's why I'm glad you're here. To, to yeah, somebody's got to keep track of you uh, when your wife's not yeah. doing it for you. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that I really see as a perfect fit. I mean, this guy did everything in college except play quarterback for his team. Um, I'm going with Bud Dupree uh, coming into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, here's a guy that Kentucky lined up all over the uh, defensive formations, which kind of hurt – his production in terms of what fans like to see, sacks and this and that. But this is a guy that plays all over and can kind of take a, a hybrid role on that defense, much of the way Troy Palomalu did from the safety position, only this guy's going to be lining up on the outside going after the quarterback. But I think he can do a lot of things, and I think he's a he just strikes me as a Steeler kind of player. Um, so I like this guy. I think he's having a big impact for the Steelers. Yeah, and and listen, with with the Steelers, you you know, a lot of times you really can't go wrong because look how right they've been in drafts that they've had this year, and you usually uh, can do yourself um, a really good, you know, you can do yourself some justice by just latching on to whatever those guys do in the draft. So you know, no one no one could really fault you for that, and you know, I will uh, I will jump on with uh, some of the things you said. He is their type of player. You know, they 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 run that kind of offense. I mean, defense where guys can uh move around in all kind of places and um they do by and large a really good job of picking guys that not only good football players but guys that fit in um what it is that they do it you know a big yeah. part of having success is knowing what you are and so well, here's um, what I, I the only thing I will say with Pittsburgh I would have liked to have seen them use some earlier picks the last couple of years on on the back end of their defense, corners and safeties, um, I think they got very old there. And while they've made the front seven younger with the pick of Shazier last year and Dupree this year, um, you know they're trying to hit on some lower draft picks in the back. And I'm just concerned that with them, if they're not getting to the quarterback, they're still going to be vulnerable to getting torched back there. Yeah, and they do. You know, they lose Ike Charlton. Uh, he retires, and he was he was you know. He was getting ready to get wheeled out anyway. Sure. So, uh, they, yeah, they do Carlton need to do Taylor, something. Carlton or Taylor? Ike Taylor, right? I mean, Taylor. I wanted to yeah, say Carlton. Yeah. Uh, Ike, Ike Taylor is out of there. So um, it it was uh, – I would agree with you. They did need to do something back there. But, hell, if they're hustling the quarterback, maybe those cornerbacks – Yeah, no, I mean, hey, listen, there's nothing better to improve your coverage than, than just to not let the quarterback throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, number five for me is going to be Shane Ray. There was all the talk leading up to the draft that he – uh, likes the green leaf. Uh, I don't know if he's alone in the league doing that. I don't want to uh, paint with a wide brush, but it's you know widely known that you've got several guys that like to smoke a little bud. Whatever he was smoking in Missouri was good enough for him to be on the quarterback's back, uh, like like his jersey number just about every game. And when you're pairing this guy up with Demarcus Ware out there in Denver, I think it's a really really uh, 
good draft. And Von Miller. Don't, let's not forget Von Miller. And, and, I mean, yes, and yeah. Von Miller. There's so many different ways that you, uh, as an offensive coordinator, need to um, attack what Denver's bringing to you. Shane Ray may get lost in that plan, uh, at least in the first part of this season. And with that being the case, he's going to see a lot of single blocking, and he's very, very good on that. So he stands a really good chance, given what else they have on that in that front seven there in Denver to to have a pretty good impact, at least in the first half of this season. And then perhaps teams focus a little bit more on him, and that only means one of those other two guys or both are going are gonna to get off. So given what they have in Denver and the fact that he is a, a very good pass rusher, uh, I think Shane Ray has a chance to have a pretty big season for Denver. Well, here's why he didn't make my list, and I'm not going to endorse everything you say. I think theoretically you're right, and I think I, I think down the road you're right. I'm not mm-hmm. sure this was a this year pick, and what I mean by that is, sure, if injury hits or or, or somebody really just the age, you know, because sometimes a guy like Demarcus Ware is turning 33 in August. Sometimes you see a guy in football hit they the wall right away. Yeah, they just hit the wall. I mean, it's like all of a sudden they go. You know, what do you have, 10 sacks last year, 10, and then he, the guy can't get off the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying it's going to happen. He's a hard worker. If it doesn't happen. But even even sh- still, wouldn't it, just his name alone, wouldn't it take teams a little bit of a while to, sure. to you know, Yeah, you know, I'm just not sure out. how much this guy contributes or what their plan is this year, and that's why I won't list him necessarily as being a big impact because I'm not sure if Denver wasn't looking to say, hey, eventually we're going to have to replace Ware. Let's get this kid, and we'll work him in this year and maybe put him in some sub-packages where he just doesn't get a chance to make that much of an impact. I agree with what you're saying. I think he's a really good player, and I think he will be for them. I'm just not sure what their plan is and not being a, a, a Bronco fan. I, you know, I'm not reading the blogs and the, the pages to get insight as to uh, necessarily what they think about him. But, no, he's a really good player. I just That's the only reason he's not on my list. Before we jump to the break. Uh, Wait, I have one more. I only gave four. Man, I'm really trying to get you out of here, huh? Well, go ahead. Drop that number five. I, w- I want to hear this one because uh, I-, I have a question after well, you're done with your list. I'm going to be honest with you. If, it was dr- if he was drafted, my fifth would have been that kid from LSU, the Cowboys sign, because he's going to start for them. I, I guarantee you'd you would find up. a way to get a Cowboy in here. No, I, I mean, listen, I'm being Maybe honest. that's why I was hustling you out. No, if he was drafted, I think he'll be the left guard. I think he'll win that position and really make that line dynam- even more dynamite. But you, you, you limited the discussion to first-round picks. So I saw one you, at the end. If you say Byron Jones, I'm t- letting you know. I'm no, no, right I'm not now. going to say Byron Jones. Your part of the show is done. No, I'm not saying Byron Jones. I found one at the end of the first round that I liked. The right, what do you got? They made the pick. Malcolm Brown. I, I, I really like what the Patriots did here. Um, they needed a Vince Woolfork type guy. And, you know, Brown was a very good player. On, I'm really, with, for the most part, was a pretty good Texas defense last year. I mean, they had their games like the TCU game where you were just scratching your head, what the hell are they mm-hmm. doing? But that was a lot of a function of they couldn't move the football and they just left their defense on the field all day. But, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, he played, you know, he got some good coaching there with Charlie Strong last year. He's got nice size, fits what New England does. I think he goes about 6'2", 6'3", 320, hard guy to move. I, I think Brown's going to really help the Patriot defense this year. Um, the only reason that I, I, I like to pick, I like the Malcolm Brown kid, I liked – uh, Texas's defense last year, I thought that was, you know, obviously the better part of, of of what Texas had going on last year. But my biggest issue is New England let go their two cover guys, and I'm just wondering what they're going to look like in that back half, and is it going to allow teams to get the ball out and, and get some completions and kind of nullify 
um, what those guys up front are able to do. I, I just kind of want to see what they've replaced it with, and that gave me a little pause on Malcolm Brown. Um, in terms yeah, of I, I hear you. On this I list. mean, you, you might not. In other words, you might not notice him because you're worried that the back end of defense is going to be able to cover anybody. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little concerned. Like you let Revis go. Uh, which I understand, you know, the history of the Patriots is not to play, not to pay the big high price tag on a free agent. Um, but you know, you, you also let Brandon Browner go, which which made was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. I would have liked to for you to keep, you know, at least one of those guys, and you can match Brandon Browner up on you know the troublesome receiver or the big guy, and then you know you you roll with whatever you got on the other side and maybe you you throw coverage over over the top of that guy but you, know, you replace both you bring in Bradley Torch Fletcher who was repeatedly filleted in uh Philadelphia and yeah. and a couple of other loose names there so I'm 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 just wondering what kind of an impact anyone on that front seven is going to have if they're not covering in the back end so well, that, I think that sometimes was a, a lot of these problem. organizations like the Patriots can get a little bit enamored with their own success in other words you know we're so good we can do whatever we want to do. We'll just buck the system. Like I'm never for replacing both corners in any season if you don't have to. I'm like you. Give me, let me keep one of them, and then if I have an issue on the other side, I can scheme it away a little bit. But when I ha- when I have to replace both of them, you know, if both guys that come in suck, now I have a big problem. Yeah, you do, or at least stagger. Uh, you need, at least stagger your your you know your removal of those two guys. Maybe Revis this year, and then Browner next year. Right. But hey, it's the Patriots. They're uh, they're all knowing. So who are we, the us two schleps, to to even say anything to the New England Patriots, unless we no, need we to can't advise them on the how Patriots. to? We bow at the altar of Bill Belichick. We are not we do, worthy. We do. We bow at their feet. We kiss the ring. We kiss the shoes. We we do all that. Well, before we go, let's talk about a couple of the guys that we thought about putting on this list but didn't. Uh, one of them, and I think <laughs> this would probably be the most interesting you interesting to you is uh, I know you're torn on this because uh, he's a Trojan, but he's also playing for the hated Eagles. It's Nelson Aguilar, and the reason I thought about him is he's replacing – he's the exact replacement of the guy that's gone yes. uh, out of Philadelphia, and they've got to throw the ball to to, to someone, and um, why not throw it to the guy that replaces the guy uh, almost perfectly that caught most of your passes last year. And I, so, I, you know, and he very – he, you know, very well may end up being a really big impact guy. I don't know what Philadelphia. I swear on my children, on he was he almost made my list, and then I I, I re- refrained because I didn't want to listen to you say you put him on the list because he's a Trojan. Yeah, well, I, I would have balanced it off by saying, man, you put an eagle on the list, so um, you know, you kind of yeah. But I figured no, I kind of failed on that handicap. You wouldn't even give me credit. I said, I said he won't even give yeah, me credit. He'll just criticize me. No, no, no. I uh, it really crossed my mind. It's the exact replica minus the experience of you know of of the guy that they lost. So um, you know, I, I thought about it. Leonard Williams, another Trojan. Um, I just feel like the Jets are going to be a disaster, and I, I hate that this is where Leonard went. So you know, I I just know he'll have a good pro career. I just have a feeling it's going to be a slow roll to it, and not this huge impact right off the bat. I, I'd be interested well. In I think wait, wait. wait he also has to say what you're going to say in that you we said impactful, and here's why I left him off the list. I agree with you. I think he'll have a great pro career, but how impactful in year one can you be on a team that's already got Sheldon Richardson and Wilk, Wilkinson? I mean, they already have you guys. You could be if you use the logic that I'm using with Shane Ray, that, you know, you're going to yeah. draw less attention because you have those guys there. But I mean, I just can't I figure know. out the Jets this year because defensively you would think 
I mean, if guys aren't falling off and hitting the wall in the back end of that defense, you know, they should they should be a very tough team to move the football against. I mean, you know, they have players there, uh, like I named, we just named three of them up front. You've got Cromartie and Revis in the back end of the defense. Uh, you got linebackers like uh, like uh, Quinton Copels and guys like that who play outside. Um, I mean, they should be a tough team to you know move the ball against but then you look at the rest of the team and you say well it might just be the defense wears down because i mean i don't see the offense being that much better yeah so i'm i'm not sure they they have to play good defense they're certainly going to get an opportunity because i feel they're going to be on the field quite a bit but um um you know it's it's amazing do you you see the offense there being any better this year or just the same thing no you know listen i want to i want to hope i like geno smith I like Geno Smith so much, I want him to get the hell out of New York, to be honest with you. So I wouldn't right. mind if he lost the quarterback battle there and got a, uh, an opportunity elsewhere, anywhere but there. I, I'd almost wish, a, a, you know, like an Oakland on him, but um, they got Carr. I just want him to get a better opportunity. And, yes, I see the Jets' offense being a complete disaster um, this year. So we'll just have to see. So two Trojans didn't make your list. You've turned a corner here, my friend. I just – you know, I'm I in think, therapy for it. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm in therapy. I, they made me. I can't listen to Fight On till October right now. But my therapist says that um, that song's outlawed here at the Calamino House. So, no, oh, is I'm that right? On, well, yeah, I'm working on it. More, more on that later. But uh, do you think I'm wrong though? With but my 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 free agent, which really should have been a first round pick, Collins. I think he's gonna have a big impact. No, no, no. A, a, a great pick. A great pick. I don't know about impact. It's tough. Um, it's it's tough forecasting that for offensive linemen. Like, how do you sure. quantify? You know the impact of an offensive lineman. That's why none of them are on my list. There are a couple that I think are going to be very good for their teams, but hard to quantify it. So I can't well, come back my logic at the end of the season there. and say this. There were three first-rounders were all all pros, and Free was the third-round pick when he came out, and he's the elder statesman there. I mean, he's the only guy over 26 on that line. He's solid. I think the one weak link, um, and he wasn't really weak. He was just average. But when you're playing among really great players, average looks bad was Ron Leary, the guy that they got from Memphis a few years ago as a free agent. He's only a 25-, 26-year-old player. But he kind of got used in that Green Bay playoff game. If you watch that game, all the pressure and breakdowns were coming right right over him. And uh, mm-hmm. I think this kid can step right in, and he's a real, you know, from what I've read, a real road grader, and you put him in at left guard, and I think, you know, that if that line can possibly get better, I think it'll get better, barring it. Yeah, and I can't I can't argue against that. It's just offensive linemen operate in silence in this league, in a, in a league of flamboyance and, and look at me. Uh, those guys uh, achieve what they want to achieve by not having their name called, and, you know, we definitely know that. Uh, one other guy I thought about uh, and just couldn't do it was Vic Beasley because he fits – uh, a real need for the Atlanta Falcons, but man, I watched some film on this guy leading up, and Emil, I swear, I just saw stuff I didn't like out of Vic Beasley. And um, you, know, you said to me to an, he shuts it down. Is that what you're saying? A lot of plays, like he just yeah, doesn't seem I saw, like he's going to chase the ball. Where, uh, you know, yeah, plays happening right there by him, and he's making no effort to get off of a block and get involved. It's like, hey, you guys handle it this play, and that kind of stuff. Just over time, being a coach, just I, I have known it to be historically not a good thing for a player. And you're going to go to Atlanta, who really, really needs someone like you, which means they don't have other guys like you, which means a lot of, of, of attention is going to be shown your way by offenses. And you're going to run into some frustration and just what is he going to do when he starts coming up against offenses that uh, he gets their best 
he gets their best tackle. He's getting chipped, and things are being done to shut him down. Is he going to shut down? So I just couldn't pull the trigger on a Vic Beasley. So it's not a physical thing. You're you're concerned from a, does he have the mental makeup at this point? Am I reading yeah, that correctly? Is he be, yeah, is he going to be able to handle the fact that the guy that he's rushing against um, doesn't play for NC State? And I can't <laughs> just whip the guy. You know what I mean? Boy, we, the last so, two shows, we've really beaten the crap out of NC State for some reason. Yeah, you know, let what me get off of that. Wake Forest, how about that? The guy he's okay, rushing yeah, against is not Forest. from Wake Forest. Uh, that he can beat whenever he wants. Uh, it's going to be someone that even when you try and put your best move on and put your best effort forth, he may still bury you. Uh, what are you going to do when that happens? And now you need to you need to be at your best every snap to win one. Uh, what's he going to do then? And I'm concerned. I'm concerned about that. Well, I that think you know people. an underrated aspect of all professional sports once you get to this level is the mental side of the game. I mean, of course you need talent. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You need talent, but I think. You know, fans kind of tend to, because you can't quantify the mental side as much. You can't say, well, it's four, you know, you could see a guy run a 4 4. It's easy to get your mind around. Uh, mm-hmm. You could see a guy jump and, you know, dunk a basketball. You see a pitcher throw hard. But the mental aspect is so big that mm-hmm. uh, at the professional level, and that's really hard for the fan to get their their arms around. I think that's why when we see the draft, sometimes we don't understand a pick or a guy. Uh, not going in a particular spot to a team that we think has a, an obvious need because that's not something that uh, the Mel Kuypers of the world are getting into where these teams have so much time with these guys and watch so much film. They address things like that, you know, things like you're yeah. saying. Like, you know, they might not like the way a guy handles certain situations on film, and they say, you know what, that's mm-hmm. not going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, and and you you hit it right on the head. The mental part of this is is a really big part of this game. And and sometimes when you're a beast at the college level and you get to the NFL, uh, can be a little bit of a shock to you to to realize you might be playing a team that's last in your division or in the league, and the tackle you're lined up in front of or the guy that's lined up in front of you uh, can very well handle you on each and every play. Whereas in in college ball, you're taking on the two and eight team. You're gonna, you're probably gonna dominate the guy that's in front of you, and that's a tough thing for some guys to grasp. But I want to see Vic Beasley and how he does against that. Maybe, uh, maybe he doesn't look like what I saw in film. That scared me a little bit there. So um, we shall see how that goes. It's time for us to take a break. When we get back, there's a big old battle going up in Ohio, and we are gonna talk about it and uh, forecast. We're gonna handicap who's gonna win the Ohio State quarterback battle. The much Uh, talked about Ohio State quarterback battle. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Anytime you start throwing shit together, you got to call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God in geometry. That's what the stuff. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for T-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, put any wording you want, 
printed on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Of the Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Angel Calamino. We're in the dog days of May here, so uh, wait. We're the dog to, days of May. What did you invent? What's what's the dog days of May? The dog days of May when you're a football fan because you just oh, gotten okay. through all the little off season stuff. You're really jonesing for some football now, and it's not going to happen for several months here. So you know, uh, what I find myself gotta, doing late at night in between innings in the Dodger game when I get bored. I start going to the NFL Network and watching highlights of stuff. There you go. So, you know, I mean, is it not the dog days or or not? I mean, it, we're you're trying to, you know, I'm going over there and watch, hitting the SEC channel or the Pac-12 channel and trying to see if there's a replay on of some game that uh, I I either watched already during the season or, or or happened to miss. You know, when you're watching Utah versus Oregon State, there's a problem. Um, yeah, so, I, well, I, I guess there is. Uh, hey, by the way, I had a little excitement Friday night here at the house. Uh, I get a text message. From Chase uh, uh, Fraud Alert, asking me if okay. I charged thirty four something on my credit card uh, four minutes ago at a department store. Oh, so gotta love that. Yeah, so naturally, so what happened there? Text, text back no, and they said, okay, if Fraud Alert Specials will contact you. Well, I wasn't waiting for the Fraud Alert Specials. I called them, and they're like, yeah, somebody in Peru just tried to use your credit card. It didn't wow. get through, though, because they didn't have the right expiration date. I said, well, that's great. Well, somebody in Peru. Well, what do you think happened there? Well, you know, being be, being a fairly smart guy like that, I said to the young lady on the phone, I'm going to guess that uh, I'm not the only guy that this happened to. I'm going to guess that I wasn't lucky, the lucky selection of somebody, and that there's a whole host of credit cards out there. And she goes, uh, you can pretty much assume a database was compromised. <laughs> yeah. 
good grief. Yeah, well, you gotta love the you gotta That's love the world we live the, in, right? Anymore. Digital you... age. How about the guy? Uh, you know, not, staying on a little bit of uh, off off topic here. Um, you know, I saw this report on Good Morning America where a guy sitting in a seat on uh, want to say was it no United uh, compromised the digital entertainment and said he took control of the airplane and uh, <laughs> redirected it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this assuming not when they funny. landed, he immediately went to laughing. jail. Did he go to jail? Um, I'm assuming they were waiting for him front and center um, <laughs> when he exited the plane at its final destination. They were right there, um, looking him right in the eye. And so uh, he's be, he was rather candid about it. Said he hacked into the digital entertainment and uh, made his way through to uh, the cockpit controls and uh, changed the course of the plane. Took it higher. All that good stuff, man. Said he turned it into a Sony PlayStation 4 and uh, just did what he wanted with the plane. Uh, they're disputing that, of course. Um, but I guess more to come. You know what's really that. sick? What you just said. You read me the story and, and I start laughing. <laughs> I mean, a little bit funny. You're like, is this guy's really, really high or really stupid to uh, set something up on airplanes where, you know, you can compromise what's on the television and move your way right into the damn cockpit and uh, take a plane headed to Washington, uh, to Peru, let's say, so yeah. uh, where you could drop off credit cards that are fraudulently. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just really, really, really nutso out there with all the digital technology. Well, uh, look, one thing else that is nutso is the quarterback battle that you've got going on in Ohio State for the Buckeyes, uh, where several teams throughout the country are looking for just that one quarterback Urban Meyer and the boys up there have three that could start for your team and uh, theirs, apparently. Um, and only one guy is going to be able to do that, I think, this season. I don't think they want to do the whole platoon thing. That'd be bad. But uh, well, let's try and figure out who that guy is going to be. I'm going to start this off by saying I don't think it's going to be Braxton Miller. I just don't think that it can be him. You can't start Braxton Miller and leave those two young guys who played already um, looking around Someone and we're the big contributors to your national championship season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what to do there. I I, I, um, uh, I think Braxton Miller's out. I think Braxton Miller's going to be the next high-profile senior transfer that's going to do the tour and end up somewhere else. And I think it's going to come down between Cardell Jones and JT Barrett. And I, I, I'm thinking it's going to be Jones. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I actually totally agree with you on that. I, I don't see how it's not Jones. To me, he's the best pro prospect. Um, he played so well in those big games. I mean, that you know, they're all big games, but the ones that you know, the last game against Wisconsin and the championship, you know, the, the two championship games. I don't see how he loses that job unless he just somehow screws it up bad in fall camp. I mean, I don't see how he loses the job. Could this be the? Could this be a problem though, Emil? Could. Cardell Jones' success be due in large part to the fact that no one had a book on him, um, limited amount of film. Um, obviously, as the season went on, you could get more and more. Um, and some might argue that, hey, listen, in, in the last game where they had the most film, he, he, he did a good amount of damage. But um, there's a difference between coming off of the bench to finish a game or finish a season and going into a season being the guy, which could be a little bit of the method of the madness. I think you're, I think you're touching on our favorite word here at the Gridiron Studge, and that's expectations. Yes. There'll yes. be expectations, and then there'll be people on the other side knowing a little bit more about what Cardell Jones can and can't do this season. 
So well, yeah, uh, I think both of those are a problem because I think the expectations. You know, remember last year I called them; they were gravy games for him. He came in mm-hmm. against Wisconsin. You know, the only person who probably thought he was going to play well was his coaches and him. And mm-hmm. would they win like fifty-one nothing or something? So then he goes to the first playoff game. Everybody's like, "Oh, well, he's starting his first playoff game. It's only his second start. What do you know? They win." So then they get to a championship, and again the expectations are still somewhat low. Oregon's the favorite favorite going in. People figure mm-hmm. ah, if he loses, I mean they're losing with their what essentially is their third string quarterback, and he wins. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, you're, you're you're right. You're right, and it's going to be a different deal. But do you agree with me though that it can't beat Braxton Miller? Can't like, be. I, I don't Braxton see how Miller, you go back to you Miller. You can't start because... the season, and then you can't bench a Braxton Miller. Can you do that to Braxton Miller to bring in one of these young guys? No. You kill his NFL career. You kill his NFL chances. You're better off letting him go somewhere else. And if a Cardell Jones starts, and then you have to bring in a JT Barrett, you're all right. Cardell can come back. Here's um, how I that. think this goes down. They go to fall camp. Miller quickly realizes, I got no shot at winning this job. I think you'll hear, you know, come fall camp that he's transferring. I honestly mm. don't see him staying for the season. Yeah, I, I, I don't That's either. That's no good Can... for him. In other words, if he, if I'm him, when I if I figure out real quick that I'm not going to win this job, I'm, I'm bouncing out of there. I'm not, well, I don't even I'm not... know if you can do it that way, though, Emil. I don't even know if you could do it that way. I really think Braxton Miller's got to make that decision now, and he he has to not enter fall camp. So I really think he's 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 thinking uh, along those lines right now and figuring out what he wants to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if the next few weeks here he uh, he he decides to leave uh, the way Golson did. Yeah, I mean, you know, that could that could be could be. I mean, you know, I mean, I just don't see him staying there. I, and I see, you know, the other two guys battling it out. You know, and if if we we're right and Jones wins, I think you know you still got a good quarterback. Uh, what, what's his name? Barrett, Barrett or Bartlett? Yeah, J, no, Barrett. J T Barrett. J T Barrett um, becomes your second string quarterback, and and you know there is this you know people always like to say silly things like you could never have too much of something in any sport. Yes, you can. Sometimes you can have too much talent and it and when you do the pieces don't fit together then you what happens is the 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 aspect again the fans underrate which is the chemistry aspect oh what's chemistry chemistry matters i mean if you have if you have dissension in the locker room if you've got split locker rooms if you've got camps develop that support one guy and not the other in these type of situations that can really throw a monkey wrench into a big season and and i I think urban meyer realizes that yeah, so I think we both agree Miller's going to be out, uh, and and we we both think Cardell Jones is going to be the guy. I mean, he he won the last game, and he's you know looks like like the pro prospect. I don't know what that's going to mean for J T. Barrett, but well, uh, here's what it means we'll for J T. Barrett on. if he handles it the right way. J T. Barrett then realizes, listen, not that I'm rooting for, it, but I'm one injury away from being right back where I was last year, which is starting. That's why I think mm-hmm. it works with two of them. With three, it's a problem because the guy who's third realizes what's the chances of both quarterbacks getting hurt again. Not that, and again, not that they're rooting for their friends to get hurt, but you're sitting mm-hmm. there as the third string. You you pretty much realize unless something goofy happens back to back years, which is probably not going to happen, I'm not seeing the field this year. Here's the other thing too for JT Barrett: if he doesn't win the job this year and Cardell Jones is in there, and if Cardell Jones is able to hold on to the job, it means he's doing pretty well. Uh, and Ohio State is in contention again because they're going to have a good team, he's more than likely going to leave, and then J.T. Barrett will have at least one full season to call his own 
um, and and play things out there. And so he can combine that with whatever he did last season and, and you know, have some pretty good stock NFL-wise. Uh, therein lies another reason why you can't have Braxton Miller be the guy. So Braxton yeah. needs to see that. Uh, before we head out, it's uh, funny that we're on this. Everett Golson um, expected to make his, his transfer announcement today, and uh, many feel that it's going to be Florida State. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, don't crucify me for this, but I don't understand what the big deal is with getting this guy. I mean, I watch him play enough because um, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, like you know, most people, they're on NBC. So if they're, you know, if, if I have nothing else going on, I watch, you know, I'll watch a Notre Dame game. I don't see mm-hmm. why why that'd be such a big score for Florida State. Frankly, I, I think he'd be yeah. good. Well, yeah, well they don't they don't they don't want to hear that in Florida State land. I think they're getting pretty giddy about this one. Um I wasn't blown away by their quarterback situation uh this spring. Obviously Florida State not not really as well, but they're also saying there's no guarantee that Golson would be the starter. How about that if he goes to Florida State and doesn't come down as the starter of this football team? Yeah, well, I mean, I would think that there's probably some side deal in in the works if you go in there that there's a wink, wink, nod, nod, you're the starter. I mean, otherwise, if there's not, I'm not sure what he's thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, listen, that's that's, that's the – I mean, you uh, saw him play. I just think – I think the guy makes a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers, and, uh, you know – Well, you know – they say they say Jimbo is really good with the quarterback, so maybe a year of tutelage under uh, Jimbo will turn his whole situation around. I don't know how Brian Kelly would feel about something like that, but uh, that we'll see. So keep an eye out for that today, fans, as uh, Everett Golson is going to make his much-awaited uh, announcement of uh, what school he's fleeing to after um, you know jumping jumping out of Notre Dame, and so that's something for us to. To, to watch today. Well, look, man, we've come to the end of another great uh, TGIM show. Uh, thank God it's Monday. It's another week, another chance for you to make your millions. And what's your right? assignment? And what's your assignment for Friday? My assignment for Friday is to get a happy song for us to head into the weekend on. Yes, I will get right on that, Mister. Happiness is is Friday. Monday we can have Jim Morrison because let's face it, we're all a little bit down on Monday. But like I I'll said, grab something from the Pharrell catalog. He seems to be really giddy and happy when he makes songs. So we'll see what he, he is can happy, offer isn't up he? for us. <laughs> there we go. You know that or the Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. So we can all just fall on our faces. Anyway, that's the end of the Monday show. We want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for making us a featured show here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, for Emil Calamino, that's your name, right? That's, that's it. That is. Yep. Yes, for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your happy Monday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. 